I know, I know, it's been a while, but welcome to episode 80 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. Now, this is, of course, a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If you are a returning listener, of course, I always start the show by thanking you for coming back week after week, especially after I randomly disappear for a couple of weeks, which I'm not even sure if I mentioned on the previous episode. Um, however, I did uh, go on a short vacation there, so I missed two weeks worth of episodes. So here we are at the tail end of July, having missed uh, sort of the middle half there. And of course, uh, I did no lead up to the Midseason Madness tournament, but that's what this episode is going to be all about. So if you're a returning listener, once again, I thank you very much. If you're new, allow me to introduce myself. I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials. You can follow me over on Twitter. You can follow me on Instagram at Sir DRJM. Why not reach out to me, especially over on Twitter? You can slide me a DM. You can tweet at me, whatever you've got. Bring me questions, comments, concerns, topics, inquiries, whatever you've got for the show. Um, anything about the Overwatch League, Overwatch, Overwatch 2, the Overwatch beta, uh, whatever you've got bring it to me over there. It can be video game related if you'd like. It can be Blizzard related. It can be Overwatch related. I do not care. Um, I will probably bring it to the show, uh, you know, depending. Uh, you, you know, you know, you know, you get it. I'd love to interact with you, though, so hit me up over on Twitter there. Now, enough with that. We've got a show to jump into, so let's get back on track. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, and all that jazz. Now, I also encourage you to check me out over on the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant, uh, also available on podcast services everywhere. If you are, as I mentioned, a fan of the Overwatch League, you already know what this episode's about. If you read the title of this episode, you already know what this episode's about. So, let's not delay anymore. Let's dive on in. Nice and easy. Just how I like it. Our first story of the week is going to take us on over to Dexerto with an article by Michael Gwilliam. This time posted on July 19th. Now, this article's gonna read, Overwatch 2 hints at upcoming hero with cryptic in-game message to end second beta. Overwatch 2's second beta gave fans a chance to try out the game's newest hero, the Junker Queen, along with enhanced visuals, gameplay updates, a new map, and other features. With a third beta planned and a new support hero coming with it, players have been eager for news on what they can expect from this unknown character. Well, as the second beta went offline on July 19th, Blizzard snuck a little code for players to decipher, similar to that of the infamous Sombra ARG from 2016. As spotted by Overwatch fan Hazelette on Twitter, Right as the beta ended, a mysterious code popped up on screen. After decoding it from Base64 format, users discovered it read, quote, What does the fox say? Luckily, this seems to be more than just a reference to the song by comedy duo Ilvis. For quite some time now, Blizzard has been teasing a fox-like hero. The hints first began with the launch of the Kanazaka map, but the rumors reached new heights when a fox was shown in Overwatch 2's release date reveal trailer. To add to this, Game Informer executive editor Andrew Reiner reportedly saw the silhouettes of four still unannounced during a visit to Blizzard in October of 2019. I'm guessing that should be four still unannounced heroes. He described one as a, quote, female with short hair, and added how there was a fennec fox-looking creature at her side standing up to her knees. Considering the code at the end of the beta needed to be deciphered, it's possible that Blizzard is planning more of these 
teases in the build-up to the next Overwatch 2 hero, just as they did with Sombra. We'll just have to wait and see what the developers have planned as we await news on the third beta and what more the team has planned in the months to come. So there you have it. That's uh, just a little bit of a tease. Obviously, uh, you know, that news broke before the Mid-Season Madness tournament and everything. Um, but, of course, as I hadn't posted an episode in a while, I wanted to bring that one in. Uh, it does fall within, you know, a week's news cycle kind of thing. So I wanted to get that in there because that is exciting. And obviously, we did uh, certainly have people suggesting that this was the case, um, kind of hinting at the uh, at the Fox hero being incoming uh, after that uh, release trailer. But the fact that they've now dropped this other, this further teaser, um, again, hinting at the Fox, really does kind of, uh, you know, show that uh, I think it's all but confirmed that the Fox hero is going to be our next hero. Now, the other side of that is, of course, the rumor is that the Fox hero is going to be a long sought after new support hero. Um, now, obviously, I mean, we got uh, Anna and, or Anna, and... Uh, Moira as support heroes uh, as DLC, you know, later on in the game. However, it has been quite a while since we've gotten a new one. Um, of course, the most recent or, or a few of the most recent newer heroes um, being, you know, Junker Queen on the tank side, of course, Sigma on the tank side, and Orisa on the tank side. So they really did flesh out the tank side of things. Obviously, there's been DPS hero updates as well. Um, but the support heroes kind of seem to be lagging lagging behind after Ana was one of the first characters that came out. And then, of course, uh, Moira was, you know, kind of one of the middle ones. So support players have been long screaming for a new character to join their roster um and of course everyone you know talks about the fact that even in the beta the queue times for everything except for support were very very high uh due to the fact that everyone wants to play these new heroes um you know junker queen and of course sojourn on on the dps side of things so hopefully this does even things out hopefully we do get official word on what exactly this is going to be and of course hopefully we also get official word on when the third beta will roll out soon. So that's that. Let's move on a little bit here. Uh, we're going to jump on over to dottiesports.com with an article from Ethan Garcia on July 19th. Again, kind of doing a little bit of cleanup from before the Midseason Madness tournament. Uh, there were a few smaller news stories that dropped, so we're just going to cover these, and then, of course, we'll get into the, uh, the the breakdown of that final match and everything. So this article reads, Royal Knight Mercy Skin available to purchase in Overwatch to commemorate 2022 Owl Midseason Madness. The Overwatch League's Midseason Madness tournament is well underway, and to celebrate, a graceful, sporting, a graceful support is getting a new skin. Mercy's latest legendary tier Royal Knight skin is now available to purchase in Overwatch from the Overwatch League token in-game store. This limited availability cosmetic costs players 200 owl tokens and will only be available to purchase until August 19th. It is unclear if this skin will return at some point in the future. They then have the tweet from the Overwatch League account, uh, embedded which reads the madness continues royal knight mercy is here to get you back in the fight this legendary skin is available in game now the article continues this mercy skin yet another owl exclusive skin for the support hero depicts her clad in armor a major turn from the other skins that he the hero currently has available she also wields a lance instead of her normal staff though it opens to provide the support capabilities she needs to assist her allies. Various flags and shields adorn her armor, and weapons akin to those seem in a medieval joust. Quote, The skin fits well with Mercy's characteristics of helping, protecting, and being a guardian of the people. End quote. Concept artist Emily Sue told Blizzard in an Owl blog post. 
Similar to the previously released Luchador Reaper skin celebrating the kickoff clash, Royal Knight Mercy will receive an alternate version with a color palette based on the winner of the ongoing Midseason Madness. This remixed skin will be available later this year for 200 OWL tokens, separate from the skin now available in the store. Players can earn OWL tokens by watching official OWL broadcasts live on YouTube. They must link their Battle.net accounts to YouTube to earn the tokens, which can then be redeemed via the, quote, Overwatch League, quote, tab in Overwatch's main menu. Royal Knight Mercy will be available to purchase until August 19th. So there you go. A little, little tidbit of some exciting news there if you're a a fan of the in-game skins um i do have the video playing right now on my screen of the uh the announcement or the reveal of that uh, skin she's got there it is a pretty cool one if you ask me um i definitely tend to like the sort of um medieval style skins that they've got i know brigitte has one i know i mean reinhardt obviously has has a couple there um so they've done this kind of theme before for some other characters but this one definitely uh looks good on mercy there um also of note is, of course, the fact that it's available now through August 19th, so giving everyone a little bit of extra time, you know, not just uh, not just having it available for the Mid-Season Madness Tournament. Of course, that would be kind of, kind of crappy because that's a pretty exclusive time. Um, so, anyways, uh, exciting that they're giving us quite a bit, uh, a full month, uh, if you will, from release to expiry to pick that one up. Um, I already have picked it up, and if you've been... If you've had your YouTube account linked to your battle.net and you've had uh, most of the games on, you have been raking in the tokens. I think I logged on the other day and I had uh, over a thousand tokens. Um, And that's, I mean, I'm pretty meticulous about, you know, if I'm going out of the house and I know there's games on, I'll just start uh, YouTube on my computer or on an iPad and just let the games play so that I do get those tokens. Uh, But regardless, you should have had plenty of opportunity to earn at least 200 tokens at this point. I am very excited to see what the, um, what the two, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, 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 winner skins look like. I know they've said that they'll they'll kind of be theming a Royal Knight version around the winners of the Mid-Season Madness Tournament. Um, interesting enough uh, that, of course, there's uh, two winners in the first tournament. What was that? The Summer Showdown? Kickoff Clash, sorry. Um, so I guess they'll do a version for the East and a version for the West. I think we talked about that on a past episode. Um, so there'll be a Soul skin and a Los Angeles Gladiator skin, of course, and then a skin for the Mid-Season Madness tournament winners as well. So exciting stuff. I like the skins. I think they're doing a bang-up job with these skins. I think they're doing uh, putting in the work and uh, putting out some good product there. So that is the Mercy Royal Knight skin. Moving on from there, some sad news if you are, of course, a Vancouver Titans fan like we here on One Man Watch Point are. This article was posted on July 22nd on .esports.com by Liz Richardson and reads, Vancouver Titans drops DPS shockwave. The roster change was not, quote, his decision, according to the player. While most West Region teams are busy fighting it out at the Midseason Madness Tournament, the Vancouver Titans have apparently been busy making roster changes behind the scenes. The team announced today that it would be parting ways with DPS Nicholas Shockwave Jensen, a staple for the team's starting lineup since the beginning of the season. Shockwave was part of the Vancouver Titans' 2020 rebuild after the organization abruptly dropped its previous roster in the middle of the season. He was a standout on the unsuccessful team and made his way to the Philadelphia Fusion for 2021. Unfortunately, his playtime was reduced due to visa issues that plagued the entire team. 
They then have the tweet embedded from the Vancouver Titans account at Vancouver Titans. Today we part waves with at ShockwaveOW. We want to thank Shockwave for his time and dedication throughout the season. We appreciate his passion and wish him nothing but the best moving forward. The article continues. He was then a star of the Titans 2022 roster rebuild, coming back to his first Overwatch League team with the hopes of finding greater success. Cohesion has been difficult for the team to achieve, though, and the Vancouver Titans currently have a 0-12 record in the regular season. According to a tweet from Shockwave, being released from the team was, quote, not his decision. The DPS was suspiciously absent during the team's last game in the midseason madness qualifiers against the Washington Justice. This roster change could offer an explanation for that. They then have Shockwave's tweet where he, quote, tweets the original tweet embedded in the article. And that tweet reads, not my decision, but I hope the team will do well in the future. Thanks for the time at Vancouver Titans, GG's, and a skull emoji. The article then continues, Vancouver is now left with only two DPS players, Aspire and Mirror. The team's next match is against the Toronto Defiant on August 12th at 5 p.m. CT. Now, I don't know, I don't know what that... Uh, what that CT time converts to. I want to say it's 5 p.m. CT. Is it like 3 o'clock mountain time? Or am I doing the math the wrong direction? I think that'd be week 14 of the league. I'm pulling up the schedule right now, and it's just taking its sweet time to load. Uh, oh, no, week 14, we got nothing. Is it week 15 when the matches return? Week 15, week 15, loading, loading. Week 15, there it is. And the match is 4 p.m. Oh, okay. It's only an hour different. Okay. Uh, anyways, I digress. Uh, that's what we're looking at there. So with all of that said, it's speculation time, of course. Now, the real question here is, of course, what happened to Shockwave? Or what is going on with the Vancouver Titans, of course? Um, I think, in my mind, the biggest question is... Not necessarily why, because I think the why is pretty obvious. Um, I think the why purely and strictly comes down to coaching. I think with, uh, obviously, the biggest change we've seen in the team recently is the replacement of previous coaches, uh, Flubby and the other one escapes me. Wub? Was it Wub? Was Wub a player on Paris? I could be going crazy. I digress. Uh, the, the biggest change that the Vancouver Titans have seen in recent memory is them bringing on head coach, uh, sorry, Depe as head coach, former uh, head coach of the Los Angeles Gladiators. Um, obviously, again, I've talked about this many, many times, but Depe being a bit of a storied character around the Overwatch League, a, uh, a bit of a name in the Overwatch League. So that was a big deal. Um, and Depe coming in to me uh, sort of signaled, hey, we are looking to make some moves. We are looking for someone that will lead the team and, uh, you know, help us get some success. Now, obviously, I don't think, uh, I think it would be unrealistic to suggest that bringing in a brand new head coach is going to simply turn things around with the blink of an eye, right? It's not like we're suddenly seeing the Vancouver Titans go from a 0-12 and 12 record to a, you know, I don't even know a... 10 and 12, a 12 and 12. They're not going to suddenly become a 500 team kind of thing. That said, I think uh, we did see some positive momentum for them. We did see some improvements. We did see them starting to maybe make some changes uh, in a positive direction. I think the the general um, you know talk around the Vancouver Titans was that they were improving, even if they still were at a 0 and 12 record. And of course, with the next tournament cycle being the summer showdown, I believe, um, 
it and and looking at Vancouver's schedule, it definitely seemed like they stood a chance of potentially going maybe four to five games win. Uh, sorry, four wins, one loss out of a total of five games. Maybe three wins, two losses, but having a decent uh, tournament cycle. So, all of that said, why, why this? Why now? In my mind, it simply comes down to the fact that Depe made a decision. Depe came in, and who knows why he made that decision? It could be he, you know, had a disagreement with the player. It could be he wasn't impressed with his performance. It could be he didn't think that he was a leader amongst the team. Maybe he was a toxic player amongst the team. Uh, it could be he didn't like the smell of his breath or the way he combed his hair or, you know, I don't know, uh, some habits he had, or maybe it could just be he wanted someone else. There is literally no real uh, reason you can point to uh, that we will probably ever know as to why DP made this decision. But I think it is clear as day that it was a DP decision. Shockwave was arguably the best player or the the single most talented player uh, on the Vancouver Titans. I think he was the one player that had that, you know, um, that definitive carry potential. I don't think there, I think there's at least one other player on the Vancouver Titans who had some carry potential, but I think Shockwave kind of was above uh, that person. That said, there's obviously some reason Depay looked at Shockwave and said, I want something else. Um, again, there's no real sense in speculating on what exactly that reason was, but ultimately it it's clear to me that it was a deep age decision for one reason or another. Now, let me also be clear in saying that that does not mean this is a player forward move. I do not think this is something that has Shockwave's best interest at heart. Obviously, this means Shockwave is probably not going to find a home for the rest of the season, especially given how he uh, announced that this was not his call. Sounds like he wanted to stay with the team. Aside from that, there's a very slim chance that if he can't find a team, you know, for the rest of the season, there's a very slim chance that he finds a team uh, in the 2023 season, of course, which, again, as I mentioned, this is definitely the, the one thing that is certain about this. This is not a player forward move. Now, the fact is, this is a sport, and oftentimes these decisions aren't made for the player. They're made for the team. Uh, you know, it's either the coach, the coaching staff, the GM, uh, whoever acting on behalf of the organization overall that makes these decisions. So, you know, there there could be budgetary reasons. It could be that Depay came in with a high salary and he knew he would have to cut someone. It could also be that, you know, perhaps um, things were all hunky-dory for a little bit there, but when they didn't get a single win after a few games, somebody said to Depay, you got to cut someone, you know, make the call. And I would assume that Shockwave came in probably with one of the higher salaries on the Vancouver Titans. Um, just, again, given the fact that he was pretty well known as a a, a decent uh, hit scan, a pretty good, you know, echo um overall could be a star on the right team that kind of thing um like i say has that carry potential has that pop-off potential and we saw that a few times um but overall again who knows what really went down here um obviously i personally wish uh shockwave the best i hope he does find a home somewhere because it's always tragic when you see these kind of talents you know leave or 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 
you know, on the outside for no real fault of their own. Um, and again, who knows, maybe there is some fault here, but ultimately that's not what it's about. It's about wishing him the best. So all the best to Shockwave. Hopefully he can land somewhere. Hopefully he finds something. If not, maybe he goes down to contenders. Maybe he finishes off the season with a contenders team. And once the 2023 season rolls on around and tryouts start happening, maybe he finds another home in the Overwatch League. So that's my thoughts on the shockwave being dropped from the Vancouver Titans. This kind of dropped as a bit of a bomb, you know, um, uh, was it in the middle of the midseason madness or was it before that? I want to say it was maybe on the first day. Is that, does that math add up? Loading schedule, schedule, loading schedule is very, very slow to load. Why is it so slow? Uh, this was in the middle of the midseason madness tournament. <laughs> so actually, if this this article dropped, uh, let's see, on July twenty second, yeah. So this came out two p.m. July twenty second, which was actually the second. Oh no, the Friday. Yeah, the second last day of the midseason madness tournament. So. In the heat of the battles and everything like that, uh, it was before the matches actually started for the day, but in the middle of the afternoon on that uh, Friday of the Midseason Madness, this is when this news dropped. So shocking to say the least, but hopefully Shockwave can land on his feet. And that, of course, brings us to the moment you've all been waiting for, the part where we cover the actual final. So... I'm going to pull from DottieSports.com with an article on July 23rd written by Liz Richardson because I love the way she recaps these games. And this article reads, Los Angeles Gladiators claim Overwatch League midseason madness crowned, defeating San Francisco Shock. The article reads, After nearly a full week of hardcore competition, the Overwatch League crowned a global winner of the midseason madness tournament on July 23rd. The Los Angeles Gladiators defeated the San Francisco Shock in a 4-2 series, narrowly halting a reverse sweep from the former two-time championship team. It's the Gladiators' second tournament crown of the season after winning the West Region's Kickoff Clash tournament with a 4-0 sweep in June. Though the Los Angeles though Los Angeles looked unbeatable in the Kickoff Clash, the midseason madness was a bit more of a struggle for the team. After being knocked to the lower bracket by the San Francisco Shock, their future grand finals opponents, the Gladiators had to take down the Atlanta Reign to earn a spot in the final. They dispatched the Reign in a 3-1 series and only, and had only half an hour to recuperate before facing the Shock. As the upper bracket champions, the Shock got to select the first map of the Grand Finals. They headed to Ilios, one of their most successful maps, but big plays from the Gladiator's staples like support Funny Astro and likely MVP candidate Kevster netted the purple team the win. Eichenwald was also a boon for the Shock, but a series of critical mistakes led to another map loss for the San Francisco Shock. The Gladiators ran an aggressive and successful dive. Tank Reiner's attacks matched up perfectly with his DPS, and the Shock's backline couldn't stay alive. San Francisco next made the odd choice to head to Watchpoint Gibraltar, one of the most beneficial arenas for sniper heroes. Though Kilo is the Shock's ace shot, he, he was no match for legendary sniper Ons, finally coming into his own for the first time this tournament. It was the closest map of the series, but more big mistakes added up to yet another loss for the Shock. Trying to avoid the victorious... Uh, arena of Coliseo. Colise Col oh my gosh. 
Coliseo. A strong map for the Gladiators, the Shock took the series to New Queen Street and forced the tides to turn. For the first time in the series, San Francisco looked truly alive, and DPS Dynamo proper nearly completed the flooded deadlift in the Toronto streets. Next, the Gladiators dragged San Francisco to Lijiang Tower, hoping their aggressive Doomfist play would pay off on the map's enclosed points. Unfortunately, those walls just trapped them inside with Proper, who clearly wants to put some embellishment on that Rookie of the Year nomination. He ran circles around the Gladiators, who had to look for yet another route to victory. The series' final map, Dorado, was the most competitive yet, with both teams appearing to come into their own. Snipers were the absolute highlight of the escort map, with Kilo arguably playing the best Overwatch of his career against Ons. Firing back, though, Ons deleted his opponent's DPS and backline when it mattered most. Just when fans were expecting an epic final showdown as the Gladiators rounded the corner of Point B on their second attack, no one from the San Francisco Shock was able to touch the cart. Though the Gladiators were able to take home the victory, the real winner continues to be the amount of C9s we saw during this tournament. The Los Angeles Gladiators head home from Hawaii with the tournament's grand prize, a whopping 500000 US dollars in prize money and four league points which will determine postseason placement. As runners-up, the San Francisco Shock earned $250,000 and three league points, still a massive boon for seeding when the postseason hits. The Overwatch League returns on August 11th with the Summer Showdown Tournament qualifiers. So there you have it. That is a little glimpse into the final match. Um, if you did not catch this match, definitely go look it up. It was a banger of a match. Uh, probably one of the more competitive finals that we've seen overall. Um, you know, and, and I don't just mean tournament finals. I mean of all the finals, including grand finals. Um, I mean, this this definitely beats the 4-0 the four, sweep uh, when the San Francisco Shock took the grand champs over the Vancouver Titans. Um Although the San Francisco Shock against the Seoul Dynasty was an exciting 4-2, I don't think it was anywhere near as competitive as this one. Um, overall, really looked like once San Francisco kind of got their first map under their belt, and then their second especially, kind of looked like they were ready to you know fire up the engine and, and they were ready to perform a steamroll there. As Liz mentions there, a little bit unfortunate how things ended with, uh, with the C9. Um, you can pretty clearly if you watch it back see exactly what happened there um if i'm not mistaken you see mikey come rolling in to touch the cart um as san francisco kind of rounds the bend just before point b um it looks like mikey's coming in to touch i think proper comes in on tracer and he's nearby the cart and i think there was a pretty clear miscommunication between the two of them over who should be on the cart mikey kind of swings by it but doesn't go to it and then you see him uh and and you kind of see proper as well nearby but not on the cart and ultimately the match ends and that's how the los angeles gladiators take it in a 4-2 match um Sorry, I had to grab some water there. Overall, really exciting to see, um, you know, the kind of match where you, you really, I think, were on the edge of your seat the whole time. Um, even even when uh, the Gladiators took that third map, um, you know, the third map in a row uh, of the first three maps, I did not, I still did not think that they were steamrolling San Francisco, and I did not know if it was going to be a 4-0. Um, I was very glad to see San Francisco come back and get a map and then another map. Um, they kind of had me a little worried there in Dorado because, you know, I, I did want the Glads to win this one. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, you know, you change one thing, you you keep Mikey on the cart there, Mikey gets on the cart, proper's there a second later, maybe this does go all the way to seven maps, maybe the Shock do take it. But ultimately, 
you know, they said when uh, when the Shock were out of the Kickoff Clash tournament early, uh, they said this is the start of our anime arc. Ultimately, this just builds the meta um, or, or builds the narrative that the Shock are are going to make some changes and come back stronger than ever, which which definitely could be the case. Um, ultimately, I think what we saw here was that Los Angeles was or or operated more as a team, and San Francisco operates more on sort of raw individual performance or individual talent. There's no denying the talent that uh, Kilo and Proper, even Sam, um, have. And when they work with, you know, their tanks like Mikey and uh, and Kaluge, um, you really do see their game elevated to another level. Um, I haven't even mentioned their supports, obviously, uh, with with Violet and who's their other support? Violet and Finn, is that right? Um, because they are sort of the the unspoken heroes of that team. Um, but I really do think if they can just tweak a few things and really get working together with the rest of their team um you know kind of bring things in a little tighter be a little less scattered there were times where they were just all over the map um really spread out which obviously makes it really hard for your healers to to keep you topped up um they can really just improve that coordination and that team play a little bit then man they're going to be a tough opponent to face in the future so i digress uh congratulations to the los angeles gladiators congratulations to the uh san francisco shock and then of course congratulations to the atlanta rain placing third as well um and of course to all the all the teams that placed below them there so that is what the match looked like overall now there's one other thing that i actually want to do in relation to sort of quote-unquote news um and i actually got this because of liz richardson linking to it um at the end of a different article which i don't actually have here but uh this is escharts.com it's esports charts uh or it's an esports charts website where you can actually see the stats the the viewership stats on um on uh, matches and tournaments and things like that so they've actually got the stats from the overwatch league 2022 mid-season madness here tournament so i kind of want to dive into some of these you know i'll just kind of read them out um you do have to pay a subscription to actually view all of the stats um so i'll just kind of talk about a few of the things we can see here on you know on the free version but it's pretty cool stuff if you ask me so overall statistics first we've got peak viewers seventy thousand three hundred sixty-seven. that was on the 24th of july at 0340 um obviously it's going to be pretty hard to say exactly which match that was not impossible let's see the 24th so oh yeah the 24th i mean if i don't know what time zone this would be in because the games were over on the 23rd uh by my account so i would assume that's got to be the final given the fact that we had the um the san francisco shock and the los angeles gladiators facing off against each other that's obviously oh you know what I, I just confirmed that for myself. I was going to say that's obviously going to be a huge match because not only is it a battle of California, it's a battle of the uh, previous tournament champs in the Gladiators against the two-time, you know, uh, grand finals champs in the San Francisco Shock. Both teams have huge user bases uh, or fan bases, sorry. So, of course, that's going to be a high viewership match. And then I actually just, just now looked right directly below that and I see popular matches by peak viewers and that is the number one, San Francisco Shock versus los angeles gladiators on the final day other popular matches uh the top five include the gladiators 
uh, playoffs day four, Gladiators versus Hangzhou Spark, which was a banger of a match as well. Um, it might be Hangzhou that placed uh, fourth now that I think about it. That one had 69,157 peak viewership, so just, uh, you know, uh, about 700 shy of, oh, sorry, no, that's wrong, about uh, 1,200 shy of the peak viewership of the final there. Uh, next highest was the Philadelphia Fusion against the Florida Mayhem on day four, uh, seeing a 65,233 uh, peak viewers. That's a bit of an interesting one. Philly, obviously, a pretty decent use, uh, fan base. Um, probably a bit of a crossover between the East and West in terms of fan base there as well, given they spent last season um, over in the eastern region and then the florida mayhem obviously sort of in my opinion a bit of an underdog bit of a fan favorite team um you know known for their social media presence more than maybe their uh, overall performance but florida having a good season thus far and and having a good showing in the tournament as well uh fourth highest with 62,452 viewers was the dallas fuel against the shanghai dragons playoffs day two um that one gonna draw in a pretty big crowd given those are our two uh, two of the past season's sort of top performers. Um, both teams, you know, doing doing well this season, but obviously not performing up to the standard that I think everyone thought they would. I think a lot of people still had Dallas sort of really high in their standings, and so far, you know, they they are high in the standings. If I'm, like I'm not gonna lie, I think they're third overall in the West, but. I think people expected more of them this season. And the same goes for the Shanghai Dragons. You know, Shanghai obviously had a rocky start at the beginning of the season. There were some, you know, uh, geographic or regional factors behind that. But even still, still struggling and obviously not having the best performance or the best showing in this tournament cycle either. So, um, but I'm not surprised to see that one had such high viewership. Now, the next one is probably the most surprising of these five, if you ask me, the next highest, this is number five with 61,193 peak viewers was the San Francisco shock versus the London Spitfire on day two of the playoffs. So really interesting one. Again, I've spoke about San Francisco already, London, uh, you know, stepping up in terms of the viewership there. I think London's building a decent fan base this season. You know, they, they obviously they've had a fan base since the first season because they had a bit of a pop-off performance in the, uh, in the inaugural season of the Overwatch League. But at the same time, I think, you know, since then, they've been trending really negative. Um, but ultimately, this season has been a pop-off season for them. They've been really impressing, uh, especially this tournament cycle in the kickoff clash um, tournament here. So exciting stuff there. Um, other than that, some of the other statistics that we can see here, average viewers, 37,784. So about half of what the, the peak viewership was. Um, hours watched, 5,746,242. That's a lot of hours. And airtime, 152 hours and five minutes. So interesting stuff there. Um, you know, I, I really like I actually bookmarked this website because I think this stuff is super cool, um, super exciting to see. And I just pulled up the uh, the pricing to see what exactly this stuff costs. 750 bucks for a year, 1500 bucks for the expert version. Uh, I'm guessing this is for a year. Uh, you can always upgrade the package later. You'll be charged. You're purchasing detailed statistics for a single tournament. Oh, wow. So this is a one-time purchase for the tournament. $2,400 for the enterprise version. Crazy. Well, this is certainly more aimed at businesses, but I digress. Exciting stuff there. I'm glad I found this because uh, some, some cool stats there. 
So that is going to be all we have in terms of the news. Now, I think what we'll do next, though, is we'll head on over to our pickums. We'll do a quick recap of uh, the score lines and what exactly went on in the Midseason Madness Tournament. And then we'll take a look at the standings. We'll take a look at a couple upcoming games. Um, and we'll talk about that a little bit. <laughs> no wasted effort. All right. So if you were paying attention to the Mid-Season Madness Tournament, you obviously know that matches kicked off on Monday, July 18th. That's right. It was a full week, chock full, absolutely full to the brim with matches, especially if you also watched the Encores, which, um, although I wasn't necessarily actively watching the Encores or actively watching every match even for the tournament, you know, altogether. Um, I did my best to have the matches on. So they were basically playing, you know, almost 24 seven, uh, this past week for me, but here's how things shook out on Monday, July 18th. We saw the Atlanta rain take on the London Spitfire and London took the win three to one on Monday, July 18th. The Houston outlaws beat the Florida mayhem three zero on Monday, July 18th. The Shanghai dragons beat the Toronto defiant three zero. On Monday, July 18th, the Hangzhou Spark beat the Philadelphia Fusion 3-1. And of course, that set the stage for our uh, the beginnings of our losers bracket. And then on day two, we saw the uh, higher-seeded teams uh, get their first matches of the tournament. So they had that extra day off kind of thing. So Tuesday, July 19th, we saw the Los Angeles Gladiators kick things off by beating the Houston Outlaws 3-0. Then the San Francisco Shock took the London Spitfire 3-1. Then the Shanghai Dragons had their way with the Dallas Fuel 3-0. Then the Hangzhou Spark 3-0, the Seoul Dynasty. That's right, your uh, top-seeded team in the Eastern... No, yes, sorry, in the Eastern region. The Seoul Dynasty lost 3-0 to the Hangzhou Spark. Then on Wednesday, July 20th, the Florida Mayhem edged out a 3-2 win over the London Spitfire in a well-fought battle uh, for London. Uh, really impressive showing for them. You know, they they should definitely be happy with their tournament performance. The one thing I'll say about that match is that I personally thought London had the potential to go farther in the tournament than the Florida Mayhem did. Florida obviously stepped their game up and, and they actually reverse swept London, which was crazy. Um, but I kind of wanted to see London win because I really wanted to see how they would do if they got further in the tournament. Now, obviously, that's not the way it was meant to be. And obviously, Florida showed they were the better team by beating this team. But I think that the this sort of playstyle and tricks that London has up their sleeves would have helped them go further in the tournament. Now, that said, the next match that Florida uh, plays, they do lose. If it had simply been the London Spitfire in their place, would they have beat the Philadelphia Fusion? pretty hard to say especially the way philly was playing philly played very very well oh philly placed fourth in this in this tournament sorry i totally blanked on who the fourth place winner was anyways i digress um do i think london would have beat philly probably not but i think it would have been exciting to see london get the chance and maybe step their game up so anyways i digress let's go back to so that was the end of uh, no, that was the start of Wednesday, July 20th. The Florida Mayhem beat the London Spitfire 3-2. Then on Wednesday, July 20th, the Houston Outlaws beat the Toronto Defiant in a 3-2 win. 
very sad day for Toronto. Um, two losses in the tournament, just like before. Uh, you know, I think there was a market improvement by the Toronto Defiant. Um, especially, I didn't mention it on their first game, but their first game against the Shanghai Dragons, for all intents and purposes, they seemed a lot crisper and a lot cleaner than they have in the past. There are apparently some comms issues there. Um, that you know who knows how things would have shook out if they didn't have that those challenges um but ultimately i thought they performed really well against the houston outlaws would have been really nice to see them you know take a take a win over houston um again in a similar you know situation where with that i was talking about with london and florida if you swap toronto with houston say they get the win and they go on to play the atlanta rain do they win against atlanta Probably not. Atlanta performed very well in this tournament, but I digress. Would have been nice to see them get a win. After that match, was the Philadelphia Fusion beating the Dallas Fuel 3-1 to knock them out of the tournament? The Atlanta Reign then beat the Seoul Dynasty 3-2 to knock them out of the tournament, and that means that Seoul did not get a single win in this tournament, which was a shocker for most. I actually, my pickums were horrible for this tournament. I actually had the Shanghai Dragons and the Seoul Dynasty taking it all, or, or going to the grand final, um, and obviously neither of those teams performed super stellar. So anyways, there you go. Uh, so that was Wednesday. Then on Thursday, July 21st, the Atlanta Reigns started things off by taking a 3-1 win over the Houston Outlaws. Then the Philadelphia Fusion uh, took a 3-2 win over the Florida Mayhem. Again, Florida performed very well um, and, and really stepped their game up. I think they did really elevate their play. Um, and this match, you know, if they had maybe just a couple more picks or if Zest and MN3 on the Philadelphia Fusion had not been operating at the level that they were, then there is a world where Florida takes that win. But I digress. Philly gets it 3-2. Then on, uh, continuing on the 21st, Los Angeles Gladiators get a 3-2 win over the Hangzhou Spark. That was a banger of a match, actually. That one might rival the final for, uh, for best match of the, of the tournament. Maybe the final or the, uh, not quite the semifinal, but the, uh, the other LA versus San Francisco match. I digress. Closing out Thursday, we saw the San Francisco Shock get a 3-0 win over the Shanghai Dragons and knocking the Shanghai Dragons down, down, down to the loser's bracket. Then on Friday, July 22nd, the Shanghai Dragons kick things off with a loss to the Atlanta Reign, a 3-1 loss, and that was the end of the Shanghai Dragons in the tournament. The Philadelphia Fusion then took on the Hangzhou Spark, and Philly wins it in a 3-2 win, knocking the Hangzhou Spark out of the tournament. And this is where I say Philly really stepped their game up. They were, they deserved everything they got, and apparently... Um, actually, I didn't have this in the news stories there, but apparently, uh, uh, like half the team, half of Philly's team had COVID for the tournament. They tested positive. So they were actually playing in isolated rooms rather than in a LAN environment or even a team environment where they could be with their whole team. Um, so, you know, who knows how they could have done if they had actually been, you know, in more of a live setting, but I digress. After that, the San Francisco Shock took on the Los Angeles Gladiators in a, for the first time, and the San Francisco Shock edged out the Gladiators in a 3-2 win. Now, this match, um, like I say, I would I would probably put this as the third best match of the tournament. I would say I would say the final was the best match of the tournament. I would say the Glads versus the Hangzhou Spark was the second, and then I would say this was the third. This was a great match and a really nice sort of preview of just what San Francisco was able to do. Um, and I also think this cast a lot of doubt and a lot of worry on into the uh, the hearts of the Los Angeles Gladiators fans. But as I would hope, this served the Gladiators the plate that they needed 
to swallow before they were able to come out over top of the San Francisco shock. So I actually really like the way that this turned out with San Francisco getting the win. Um, it was a close 3-2 win, but then the Gladiators just tweaking what they needed to tweak, making the changes necessary to dominate San Francisco in the final. Anyways, we're not there yet. We're still on Friday. The final match of the Friday, the July the 22nd, saw the Atlanta Rain beat the Philadelphia Fusion in a 3-1 match. Then, of course, our loser's bracket final on Saturday, July 23rd, saw the Los Angeles Gladiators return to play against the Atlanta Rain and take it 3-1. It was unfortunate. There was a bit of a sort of almost C9, but more of just a Atlanta couldn't make it back to the point in time um to to close out that match so a little bit disappointing there and then of course we already talked about our grand final our tournament final with uh the los angeles gladiators getting the win over san francisco four to two so really exciting stuff there um overall this tournament was awesome uh i i know johnny reinforce said it on on the broadcast there but this might have been one of the most exciting tournaments we've seen this might have been the best tournament that the overwatch league has had so there it is that's what your midseason madness tournament looked like now let's take a quick look at the standings just to see how things shook out in that sense over in the west after the midseason madness oh this is midseason madness qualifiers let's jump over to the 2022 regular season so this does factor in the winning points uh from the midseason madness tournament and we now see the los angeles gladiators sitting on top with 17 points uh, they officially have one more point than the second place San Francisco Shock. San Francisco obviously sitting in second because of their stellar regular season play. Um, they haven't lost a match in the regular season. They are 12 and 0. Um, whereas the Gladiators are 10 and 2. But Glads obviously have been performing in the tournaments, whereas the San Francisco Shock have not. So that's how the Glads are sitting on top with 17 points there. San Francisco is in second with 16 points, 12 wins, 0 losses. And then things start to shake out mostly how you'd expect, with the exception of the Atlanta Rain. So in third place, we have the Dallas Fuel sitting with 12 points, 9 and 3. In fourth place, the Houston Outlaws with 11 points, 9 and 3. Then the Atlanta Rain sitting in fifth with 10 points, 7 and 5. This is largely off of their uh, tournament performances as well. They have, you know, for a top five team they have the worst they have a worst record than the sixth place london spitfire who are sitting at an eight and four but only have nine points because atlanta has performed better than them in both tournaments whereas london only really performed in the midseas madness so anyways uh that tells you that london is in sixth with eight and four the florida mayhem sitting in seventh with eight points six and six uh the toronto defiant sitting in eighth with eight points six and six the washington justice just below them in ninth place with six points and five and seven so well and then i guess i should mention the boston uprising in 10th place with four points with a record of four and eight below that is your new york excelsior your paris eternal then your vancouver titans all sitting abysmally uh i mean new york has one point paris has one point and vancouver has no points because they have no wins this season at all so that's how things look in the west so the big things to note there um the top two teams los angeles gladiators san francisco shock 17 points and 16 points the next closest and third is dallas with 12 points so a bit of a gap there there's definitely a tier break between that second and third place team then we go 12 11 10 9 8 8 and 6 so a little bit more ambiguous there um dallas sitting in 
with 12 points with a 9-3 and three, kind of surprises me that Dallas is as high as they are. I think right now I would put the Atlanta Reign in third. Um, I would probably put the Houston Outlaws in fourth and then maybe Dallas in fifth. Um, and then from there, you know, things can kind of shake out how they would. Um, I would probably put the Florida Mayhem above the London Spitfire, so maybe move them up to sixth, move London down to seventh. And then Toronto Defiant are probably pretty appropriately placed. What's going to be really exciting to see and really interesting to see from a Toronto fan perspective is if Toronto can start getting those wins that they should be getting. Can Toronto beat the Florida Mayhem? Can Toronto beat the London Spitfire? If Toronto stretches, can they beat the Atlanta Reign maybe? The Houston Outlaws? As I said there, I I think Atlanta is more like a third place team right now. I think Toronto would stand a better shot of beating the Houston Outlaws or the Dallas Fuel. But obviously we've seen Toronto face the Houston Outlaws a number of times. And so far, other than their very first win against them this season, I don't think they've been able to beat them. So I think Toronto needs to get in shape to beat Houston. If they can do that, I think that's probably a bit of a mental roadblock that they could overcome and they would see some drastic performance increase. Let's look at the East. Over in the East, our first place team is still the Seoul Dynasty with 13 points on the season, 9-3. and three. Our second place is the Hangzhou Spark with 11 points, 9-3. and three. Our third place team is the Shanghai Dragons, 11 points, 9-3. and three. Our fourth place team, the Philadelphia Fusion with 9 points sitting at 6-6. Six and six. We then in fifth have the Chengdu Hunters with 5 points, 5-7. Five and seven. Los Angeles Gladiators are in sixth, 3 points, 3-9. Three and, and the Guangzhou Charge... One point on the season, one win, 11 losses. So interesting stuff there. Um, I would say there's, it seems like there's a bit of a break between the Seoul Dynasty and the Hangzhou Spark in first and second, but I don't really think that's true. Um, I think Seoul and Hangzhou are probably in, you know, the same tier there. There's maybe a tier break between uh, second and third where we see the Shanghai Dragons. Um but even still, Dragons are trying to compete. I think the Dragons have got some stuff to sort out. If they can get back to their former selves, then I think they can compete. Um, but ultimately, I think, you know, Philly is chasing them for that third place spot right now. You know, Philly has nine points. Shanghai has 11. Philly's, you know, fourth place with their nine points is largely off their performance in this tournament. So I digress. It'll be interesting to see where things shake out all around going forward. Now... Let's take a brief look at my pickums to see how terribly I did. If I look, I got 15 points for this whole tournament. That is abysmal. I did just horrendous. Um, this is just for the midseason madness. If I check the kickoff clash, oh, that's right. I got 11 points. Wow, I did worse. I did worse. Holy cow. I had no idea I did so much worse. All right, well, anyways, I digress. I'm sitting at 143 points on the season overall which puts me in 3,410th place overall. But if I look at the Ready, Set, Pwn leaderboard, I am actually sitting in third place with 143 points. Three points behind Kevin Liu in second place and uh, 12 points behind Danimal in first place there. But the important part is I'm one point ahead of my co-hosts, Omnistrife, and a bunch of points above our, our host of the show over on Ready, Set, Pwn, Light Force. So that's what really matters. So there you have it. That's what things look like in terms of my pickups. Now I'm not going to do my pickups for the upcoming matches uh, as they don't start until August 11th. So I'll save that for probably next show. Um, let's just pull up a calendar here again. So next show, we've got the first, second, 
And then we've got the eighth, ninth. So you know what? I might even might not even do them next show. I might do them this show after that even. Um, but I digress. That's what we're looking at there. So exciting, exciting stuff there. Exciting, exciting indeed. All right. Well, I will, however, go over the schedule. So let's take a quick look. Return, games return on Thursday, August 11th at 1 p.m. Mountain Time. We see the London Spitfire take on the Florida Mayhem. That should be a good match. Then at 2.30, we see the Houston Outlaws take on the New York Excelsior. We then see the Gladiators take on the Dallas Fuel. Then on Friday, August 12th, we see the Boston Uprising take on the Atlanta Reign. We see the Washington Justice take on the San Francisco Shock in our first Battle of Canada of the season. Friday, August 12th at 4 p.m. Mark it on your calendars, even though I'm actually going to be at a wedding. No, at a wedding. Oh, I might actually be able to catch the game. I thought I was going to be at a wedding, but I might actually be free. Holy cow. Yes, that's awesome. I might be able to catch this game. Uh, we see the Vancouver Titans take on the Toronto Defiant for the first time. Then Saturday, August 13th, we see the Boston Uprising taking on the London Spitfire. We see the Paris Eternal taking on the Washington Justice. We see the Los Angeles Gladiators taking on the Houston Outlaws. Then on Sunday, August 14th, we see the Vancouver Titans take on the Paris Eternal, which should be a good match. We see the Florida Mayhem take on the San Francisco Shock. We see the New York Excelsior take on the Dallas Field. And we see the Toronto Defiant take on the Atlanta Reign, which has potential to be a good match. I'll say that much. It has potential. So there you have it. That's what our upcoming games look like. Again, we're on a break now until, until August 11th. So we got a little bit of time. So I think let's just slowly easily take things out to the end of the show it's not over yet all right well here we are at the end of the show uh i should mention here um i don't believe i'll be missing any more episodes uh at least i don't have anything scheduled that would cause me to miss another episode um i may adjust my recording schedule and things like that but hopefully we'll have every episode dropping on wednesdays as usual now uh outside of that i would of course encourage you to head on over to the ready set poem podcast available on podcast services everywhere where you can hear me and my co-hosts alex and chris gab on every week about the overwatch league but focusing on the toronto defiant and the vancouver titans if you're not interested in that hopefully you're still interested in one man Watchpoint, and i would like to extend my most sincere thank you for listening to 80 episodes of one man Watchpoint. as you know by now if you've been here for all 80 episodes this is of course an overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of overwatch thank you so much for listening i'm your host sir dr jm you can find me on twitter and instagram at sir drjm that's sir dr jm and of course please tweet at me message me uh shoot me a dm or whatever you've got on twitter if you have questions comments concerns topics anything you want me to talk about as it relates to overwatch the overwatch league overwatch 2 the overwatch beta anything overwatch anything blizzard anything video games in general i love video games i love to talk about video games um you can of course actually i should have mentioned this at the top of the show you can of course occasionally catch me streaming over on twitch uh where i play a variety of games uh, i had been streaming the overwatch 2 beta obviously that is now over um i, I occasionally dip back into overwatch 1 but having played the beta it's hard to go back now um but right now i am working my way through elden ring i am in the end game that's for sure um but i'm definitely taking my time with that one obviously the game's been out since uh since february and i'm still playing it 
Um, I also recently picked up Crash Bandicoot 4 because it was free on PlayStation Plus, and I used to be a huge Crash fan, and so I'll probably play through that and maybe stream some of that. Um, we'll see how that goes. Uh, and I may also dip back into Horizon uh, Forbidden West as I picked up the game when it launched and then quickly got distracted with Elden Ring. So that's all I have for now. Again, thank you so much for listening to One Man Watchpoint, and we'll catch you cats on the flip-flop next week. <laughs> Job well done.